Welcome once again to Devotional. This is lesson number three for Monday, November 26. I'm glad, I'm glad God is leading these discussions the way He is. It's actually reconvicting me as well. So don't think this is just me talking to you. Certainly God is also convicting and bringing things to my memory as I present things to you as well. On Monday, we're talking about Ministry of Reconciliation, and that word is a really nice word, reconciliation. Um, we want it. We all seek, you know, we, we say, yes, that, that's an awesome experience to have. But there are some elements that comprise that experience of reconciliation, and I've written them down. I see that, you know, the, the brilliancy of the gospel, and this lesson just hi highlights it in a very simple way. Unity with Christ equals or allows for unity with one another. But how is it that you, you and I can experience unity with Christ? How, what did it cost God to reconcile us to Himself? Because reconciliation with God has a very, very strong parallel with reconciliation with one another. And what has allowed myself and God to be reconciled? Well, confession, forgiveness, and accountability. Um, redemptive accountability. And if that is what is necessary in order for peace and harmony to exist be between me and God, those elements are also essential in sustaining peace and harmony, as the lesson highlights on Monday. Uh, that peace and harmony that is needed between me and my brothers and my sisters in church also require confession, forgiveness, and accountability. And if we're honest with ourselves, those three words, we are not very comfortable with them. Um, by the way, I just feel, I don't know why, but I just feel impressed to, to explain something that happened yesterday. Um, this is a parenthesis. It has nothing to do with the lesson, okay? Uh, my office chair is actually my wife's office chair. When she was at Ohio State, her parents bought that as a gift. It was a very nice, comfortable chair that she had, and it's about 12 years old, and it's just been worn out, all the moves that we've had over the years. And so we've gotten rid of it. And we haven't replaced it yet but i'm using something that i used for quite some time before i had a nice chair it's a pt ball a physical therapist ball those big inflatable balls that's what i'm sitting on right now and yesterday i when i listened to the recording of yesterday i move around a lot i i, I do these podcasts in a similar way that i preach i move my hands move my legs move and yesterday my my leg rubbed against the ball and it made a sound that sounded like something else so I just want you to not feel, you know, uncomfortable because it wasn't what you may have thought it was. <laughs> it was just that. And I'm realizing that I maybe I need to just clarify the air. Uh, I guess that's the one way of saying it. Uh, so that you did not get sidetracked and think, you know, let me rewind that. Did I hear? Was, was that there? Well, what you heard was this uh, inflatable rubber ball rubbing against uh, my calf as I energetically and charismatically try to appeal to you to pray. All right, end of parentheses, let's move on. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, we're talking about, I guess it is kind of related, because we are talking about something that is uncomfortable, that's out of our comfort zone. I guess in this sense, even more uncomfortable than what I've alluded to in this, that little short parentheses. Confession, forgiveness, and accountability don't come natural. Um, we, we still wrestle with who we used to be, our pride, selfish, uh, self-centered way of doing life. 
uh, ourself, our carnal nature, as Paul would call it. And that gets in the way of harmony and peace with one another, just like it gets in the way between me and God. When I do something and I refuse to confess it to God, I refuse to own it, and, and I try to confess it, but my confession doesn't sound like, in, like a confession at all. Well, God, you know, I, I guess I'm sorry, but you know, if, if so-and-so hadn't said that, or if I wasn't there, or if so-and-so hadn't put that in front of me, and you know, I wouldn't have done it. The reality is that yeah, you did it because you made a choice. And until you can confess it openly, uh, fully owning it without pointing the finger at someone else, that's not a confession. But when you confess it and you know what I'm talking about, when you confess it like a Psalms chapter 51 kind of a confession, when you own it like that before the Lord, you're transparent and you yield to the, the conviction of the Spirit. Stop justifying, just confess or you will not have the peace in your conscience that you're longing for. And when boom, you confess it in your thoughts and verbally, you're telling the Lord, I'm sorry, I was selfish. It was me, no one else to blame. It was all me, Lord. Those kind of confessions produce beautiful, beautiful reconciliation. It brings peace and harmony between you and God. Because the moment you confess, Forgiveness is given. 1 John 1, 9 says that, right? If we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you have not been intentional in allowing the Spirit of God to search you and confess your sins to the Lord, why not take time today to do that? You know, a restless heart, a restless mind, a restless body at times is evidence that there are things that need to be made right between you and God. Why don't you take time for that today? Now, if it's uncomfortable with God, you better believe it's uncomfortable with someone else. When you have to go and confess to someone else, a brother, a sister, a family member, someone that you, there's, there's, there's tension, there's distance, there's avoidance, how can we experience oneness in our mission with those kind of elements in the church? And do we just think time's going to make them go away? Do you think time's going to make them forget stuff? Have you forgotten? The only way to peace and harmony is through confession and forgiveness. Because that is how you and I experience harmony and peace with God. You better believe those are the ingredients that are essential for us as a church to have with one another. Therefore, my point that I've been making for the past two days, how essential it is to be praying for one another. And this doesn't mean that you need to pray with the person that you have beef with or that that person has beef with you. But you need to find someone to pray with so that God and His providence, God with His Spirit, will prepare your heart and their heart so that when confession takes place, forgiveness will follow. That that person, if they need to forgive you, they will be convicted by what Jesus says. Freely we have received, freely give. If you do not forgive willingly from the heart, those that have wronged you, then your Father in heaven cannot forgive you as well. You cannot plug the, the, the hose of grace and say it only for me, but not for them. You are robbing yourself of unity with God by refusing to allow for unity with someone else through forgiveness. Has God forgiven you? 
then you have a spiritual motivation, a spiritual conviction, a spiritual mandate from Jesus himself to forgive those that have hurt you. And the last one is accountability. And when, you know, I'm listing these three things. I'm going to talk again about John Luttrell and the experience that I told you already that him and I had. I was not seeking for this experience. I did not know what was going to happen. I had never done this before, at least not at this level of intensity, daily praying with someone else. It's one of the most exciting, life-changing experiences you can have between you and that person. I know that from experience. So, um, you know, we sometimes I would say things and I would say things in a way that would hurt John or John would do things. And then we, you know, prayer made it easy. It is not, it is extremely uncomfortable, but prayer made it so much easier because now there was trust. Now we would pray before we would talk and I could bring things up and clear the air between him and I. More than that, when I needed to hold him accountable because he ended up being the head elder of the church, and when I would hear him say things or do things, there was enough trust that I loved him. He knew I loved him with the love of Jesus. That when I approached him with things, his pride did not raise up and we become enemies now. And the same thing happened, the exact same thing happened when he would come to me. You know, I don't know how to say this, but I guess it must be difficult for a lay person sometimes to hold the pastor accountable in a healthy, redemptive way. I remember before my conversion telling pastors, your sermons are horrible, or you do it too short, too long, this or that, they're irrelevant, or whatever I may not have liked about the pastor. I was quick to tell them, that's not accountability. That's spiritual immaturity. Spiritual, spiritual accountability, we have a model for that in the scriptures. When Jesus held his disciples ac accountable, he always did it redemptively. He always allowed hope to fill, fill the voids of space in between the words. The disciples knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that even though Jesus was holding them accountable, he still loved them with an everlasting love. As that book, again, that precious book, I love it, Steps to Christ, Next to the Bible, that's one of my favorite books, it says that when Jesus would speak his rebukes, his scathing rebukes, he would do it with tears in his voice. And I can tell you that because of the time spent praying together, John and I, we could have tears in our voice, tears desiring to see this per the other person grow spiritually, and tears with the, the hopes that that person could hear the love behind the words. You and I cannot manufacture that. This ministry of reconciliation has a component of information of, you know, like the book of Romans and prophecies and all those elements. Yes, they do. But without the heart of it, it's just clanging noise. And I mean, this lesson, you know, you may see, oh, it's so wimpy, it's so, you know, uh, you know, soft like marshmallows or cotton balls. No, this lesson is uncomfortable. If you think reconciliation is a piece of cake, maybe you don't have a clue about reconciliation. Confession, 
forgiveness and accountability. From Genesis chapter 3 onward, humanity has wrestled with that. The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me of the fruit. Is that confession? No, nowhere near. And Adam and Eve needed forgiveness. Forgiveness from God and forgiving each other. They had to forgive their son for murdering their other son. How can you reconcile that? And accountability. Healthy, redemptive accountability. There's much more on that lesson for today. I hope you'll be spent time wrestling with these concepts. But more than that, I'm appealing to you again. We as a church, we need praying Christians. We need Christians that will continually devote themselves to praying, of course, one-on-one, -on -one, but more so with one another. That's where the power gets manifested. That's where the world sees the unity because you and I will grow and mature in our ability to confess, to own our mistakes, to forgive those that wrong us, and to seek to sustain that peace between one another. Praise God.